0: Uh, And and anyway, I'm sure that we're going to be going several more times. See, Alan, wave your hand, Alan, if you'd you'd like to go. Uh, Jesus in Revelation. Um, Would you stand with me? We're going to read just a couple of verses from Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the truth and the life that's in your word. I pray that you would anoint. What I say, and more importantly, that you would anoint all of our ears, Lord God. Anoint what we hear, and may it go into our spirits, and may it reside there. Change us, in Jesus' name. Let us see how beautiful He is. Amen. You may be seated. When we think of Revelation, uh, what are the first thoughts that tend to come to mind? Uh, The end times, fantastical images, Mark of the Beast, Second Coming... Those are, the, you know, those are the kinds of things that we go, oh yes, Revelation. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of artwork, a lot of words have been written, a lot of um, uh, tapes have been made and videos have been made regarding um, what Revelation is supposed to be about. Thing is, uh, these are all in Revelation, but none of them are what the book is about. None of them are the focus of the book, the uh, the prime focus of the book is stated right out of the chute right in verse 1, where it says, The Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show His servants what must soon take place. The Message Bible actually makes it a little bit more clear. It takes away the comma and puts a period there. Uh, a revealing of Jesus the Messiah, period. God gave it to make plain to His servants, What is about to happen? So which is it? Is it a a revelation about the things that are going to happen? Or is it a revelation about Christ? You can't really separate the two. But you have to understand that the more important of the two is Christ. And what the revelation is truly about is Christ. The reason why you can't separate the two is because He is the focus of all of human history. From the very beginning to the very beginning. Alpha, Omega. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were created. He he started this. He he made everything in the beginning, and he's also going to be the ending of it. Revelation is sometimes also called the apocalypse. Um, In fact, in some Bibles, the, the book is titled Apocalypse rather than Revelation, and there's a very good reason for that. It's because it's the first significant word in the in the book, oftentimes books were named after the first significant word that came up. In the beginning, Genesis. That's what the book was called. Uh, the revelation, actually, the apocalypse, it says. Now, in our in our day and time, apocalypse has come to really take on a different meaning. We think of it as a cataclysmic event. We think of it as, you know, the end of the world or our nuclear war or something something like that. We call that the apocalypse. And in some ways. Yes, but literally what it means is a revealing. It, it literally means lifting the veil. And so what, it, what this literally starts out saying is the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's, it's making known something that in the past had previously been hidden from the majority of mankind. And Jesus Christ is indeed previously hidden from the majority of mankind. Because it says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And as I've mentioned this to you several times, that's why sometimes when you're, when you're, when you're witnessing to somebody, when you're wanting to see them come to the faith, it, why it's so frustrating. Because they'll, they'll say things like, well, if God would just do blah, 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 then I'd believe. And God does blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, oh, that was going to happen anyway. Yeah. Or, you know, when you come and you present the, the story to them that, hey, would you, would you like to live forever? Would you like to not die? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. Uh, not interested. The reason is because there's a veil. The reason is because there's a darkness there. And really, no matter what you say, that darkness is not going to be pierced. You need to pray. You need to pray and say, God, open their eyes. God, remove that veil. Remove that darkness. Now, he may give you something to say that pierces it and helps to remove it. But what's got to happen is there's got to be an apocalypse. There's got to be, there's got to be a, a revelation of Jesus Christ. In their lives. So today we're going to look at at removing some of the mystery of the end times and and focus on two marvelous revelations of Christ in this book. End time prophecies. My, my, my. I used to understand revelation perfectly. I used to, to be able to explain it all to you. And if you're thinking... Well, that's such tiny little print, we can't read it. Yeah, it sure is, and that's intentional. Don't try to read it. It's, I, but I mean, you know, I knew all the charts. When I was 15, I knew all of these things and what was going to happen. And now, I really don't know anymore. And I make no apologies for that. Because the truth of the matter is, if you want to follow somebody who can explain everything in Revelation, you are begging to be deceived. You're, you're begging to have somebody come along and, and just you know, put, put a hook in your nose and, and drag you around wherever, wherever they want to take you because they don't know either. They're just making this stuff up. <laughs> I have no issue with novel representations of the end time events as long as it's clear that they may not be what actually happens. Uh, how many of you have read some of the Left Behind? Ah, quite a few. Y'all are more literate than the first s- service was. <laughs> How many of you have read the Oxford uh, History of the English Language? <laughs> you you lie more than the. Uh, than the <laughs> no, actually, you may have read it. I, I you know, I don't know. Shane, I, I wouldn't put it past you to have read some of that. Um, Where was I? I was talking about, yeah, I was talking about left behind. Uh, There's, uh, I, I read four or five of them. How many are there? There's like 29, right? 10? Nine or 10? Does anybody know how many there actually are? Well, I read a few of them. Okay, I don't. I don't really know how many I read, but I read a few of them. But I remember coming across the passage that that explained revel that, that revealed Revelation chapter nine, first part of Revelation chapter nine. And you know, and I thought, okay, uh, Revelation chapter nine's got to, I just want to. I just want to read this passage to you. Uh, it's kind of lengthy. Some of you are familiar with this passage. Those of you who aren't. <laughs> The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss, and out of the smoke came locusts. They came down on earth, and they were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not allowed to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. That's a relief. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but they will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they wore something like crowns of gold and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair and their teeth was like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions in their tails. They had power to torment people for five months. I don't know what this is. And, and, uh, and attempts to literally turn that, represent that, give way to drawings that kind of look like this. And maybe that is what it is. I don't know. I've also heard, well, it's insects. And I've heard, well, it's military helicopters. Although I think military helicopters actually do kill people is what I, what I think. You know, I've heard all, all kinds of, I don't know what it is, but here's the deal. I don't care what it is. I don't want any of it. I don't have to know what it is to know this is bad. This is not something that I need to be messing with if I can help it. You know, if the, if the, if the rapture happens before this, I want to be gone. And if not, I want one of those seals. You know, I, I, want, I want one of those. When I was a kid, that, that just scared the wahoo out of me. Let me just tell you. I mean... Five months and, and nobody's going to die for five months. What, what's up with that? What I'm saying is we get so hung up on figuring out what this is or what that is or, or, or coming up with our interpretation that we overlook the obvious that, hey, it's bad. It's bad. That's what it is. If it's literal, if it's metaphorical, it's bad. There are at least three problems with figuring out the signs and symbols in Revelation and Daniel and Zechariah and the other books that have a lot of signs and symbols in them. I'm not saying, you know, that don't do it. I'm just saying, watch out. Three three problems. First of all, being wrong, which happens quite with shocking regularity. Because once you figure out, what it is all about you can't help but share your knowledge with others and then once you, once people get emphatically proved wrong in their in their interpretations it causes the claims of Christ and the Bible to either be perverted or despised whole lot of cults have risen out of interpreting, figuring out what the symbols and signs were. And then when it turns out that, uh, no, that's not exactly what it is. Well, let me explain why that really is what it is. And we'll just start our own new thing. Or, okay, I was wrong, but, you know, Harold Camping it was not, he's just the latest in a long line of failed predictions and figuring, and figuring this stuff out. And did the predictions bring people into the kingdom or drive people away? We well, get right down to it. Back in 1988, some of you are old enough to remember that. Uh, you remember 88 Reasons Why Christ Will Return in 1988. There was a booklet called that. And I think they give them away now. They used to charge money for them. But uh, it's a booklet called that. And it was just amazing that there's 88 reasons. I mean, he has to come back in 88 if there's only 88 reasons. And, uh, and I, we only had a few people in the church then. Uh, and we had some visitors on the Sunday before Christ was supposed to come back that week. And that was very exciting to me because we only had, you know, uh, we, I knew everybody who was there and wasn't there. And if they were new, I knew that too because there just weren't that many people coming. Uh, and that week, Jesus didn't come either. There was no second coming, not by Jesus, and there was no second coming by those visitors either. <laughs> Never saw them again. Now, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, that, that, that is kind of funny. But I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe God in His mercy and in His omnipotence if somebody, you know, has that kind of conversion for a day or two, maybe God counts that. I, I, I don't know. But I know this. I know that probably as many people as, went, as had their lives changed, truly changed, by anticipating that event, there probably were at least that many people who went, I feel like a fool. I don't want to have anything to do with any of this stuff anymore. So the danger of the error of being wrong, you have to, once you, once you decide what it is, that's one of the dangers. One of the, the others, the error of missing God. Why, why did the Jews not recognize Messiah when he came? He did the miracles, he fulfilled the scriptures. He spoke like no man had ever spoke. He rose from the dead. Why didn't they recognize him? The main reason why they didn't recognize him was because they had already figured out what those prophecies meant, and he didn't fit it. He fit the prophecies. He didn't fit their interpretation. And once we have figured out what it means, God can come along and do something, and we and we totally miss him. That can't be God. That wasn't what I thought. And then uh, the error of overlooking. We become so focused on the fool's goal that we've unearthed that we ignore the real goal that's just lying there. Just, Just lying on the surface. Revelation chapter 13 uh is one of the more remarkable books in the entire Bible. And, and it speaks of uh speaks of two beasts. One is generally thought of as being the Antichrist, and and the other is sort of a prophet or PR man, John the Baptist type, goes ahead of him. And most of you are familiar with this. Uh, Revelation 13, 16 through 18 says Uh, He also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. Let those who have insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. The number is 666. Ooh. And so we read that and we come and go, okay, who is the beast? What does 666 mean? And, and we begin to delve into, into those kind of questions, which really aren't very important. It is not important to know who the Antichrist is. It's not important. It's important to know who the real Christ is. That's why if you know Him, then you don't have to worry about Him. If you don't know him, then you, he, he's going to fool you anyway. Just really is. And but people get in that passage and they begin to go, "Ooh, let's you know assign the numerical values to so and so's name and see if they see if it comes up to six six six. This may be the antichrist. It, it's got it. Could it be the president? Virtually every president we've had since I've been born, somebody's thought he was the antichrist." Do you know that Ronald Wilson Reagan is three names of six letters each? (laughs) He's also dead. So he's, he's disqualified. You know, he's, he's out of the running. Couldn't be him. But that's, you know, that, that we kind of, we look at the passage and that's what I'm talking about. We get sidetracked into these, into these side issues that really, Don't have any value. The wow is lying right on the surface. No one can dispute the fact that this book, the book of Revelation, was written almost 2,000 years ago. I mean, I can only personally verify that it was written over 61 years ago. But it's pretty clear that this book's an old book. It was written 2,000 years ago, quite honestly. And 2,000 years ago, there was a man, Named John, who saw an, an attempt to institute a global currency that involves some type of bio-identification. Who knew anything about that in those days? Enforced by a political power. And, you know, we we it's clear that. We're probably headed in that direction now. The technology is kind of amazing, but I'm not going to get into the technology because you probably heard people talk about that. There's something else that that I I want to address that I think was even more amazing because I don't think John even knew the word technology in his day. I mean, (laughs) yeah, but he knew about culture and he knew about sociology. And really, up until very recently, the idea of they're going to take our money away and make us all use the same money, we got to use the same money that that those people got to use? That idea has just been something so alien to the cultural minds of most people. It wasn't all that long ago that Europe voted to, to go to the Euro. And guess what? Great Britain said, we're not going to do it. We want our pound sterling. And they got their pound sterling. God love them. It's great. Uh, their food ain't so hot, but their pound sterling is pretty good. And, uh, and, and, and you know, and, and Americans, you know, kind of go, yeah. What, they're going to take away? We got to use some thing other than, than the dollar. And believe me, there's a l- just hundreds of cultures around the world that, would have problems with that. And especially in John's day. I uh, This last week I was reading, I did read Steve Jobs' biography. And he said something that made me think of this passage. Because I mean, you don't necessarily expect something to come up in Steve Jobs' biography that makes you think about Revelations. But I guess it depends on where you're coming from and what you know about. He was talking about a vacation that his family had gone on. They were... It was actually, ironically, it was a vacation where they visited Ephesus, which, and I say ironically, because Ephesus is the is the church that the apostle John was the closest linked to. That, that's the one he's identified with. And um, anyway, they had visited Ephesus that day, and then they had come back to uh, they they had come back to uh, Istanbul, and they were in a Turkish bath or something. And here's what he said: He said I have a I had a real revelation. Uh, We were all in robes and they made some Turkish coffee for us. The professor explained how the coffee was made very differently from anywhere else. And I realized, so what? I'm cleaning his language up here a little bit. Which kids, even in Turkey, care about Turkish coffee? All day... I had looked at young people in Istanbul. They were all drinking what every other kid in the world drinks, and they were wearing clothes that looked like they were bought at the Gap, and they were all using cell phones. They were like kids everywhere else. It hit me that for young people, this whole world is the same now. When we're making products, there's no such thing as a Turkish phone or a music player that young people in Turkey would want that's different from one young people everywhere else would want. We're just one world now. Yeah, you're right, Steve. For young people, we really are. We all listen to the same news. We listen to the same music. We watch the same films. We surf the same net. And socially, we're very close to being conditioned to go, yeah, let's just do it that way. Let's just take it. 2,000 years ago. There was a man who saw it. Who saw it. Just like 3,500 years ago, Moses was, was given the exact order in which creation took place. You know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you line that up with what science says today, you know, I don't know about the time periods, but the order is exactly right. How did he figure that? How did he get that? Was I mean, did he have a microscope or a time machine or something? No, he had revelation. Just like John did. When I was when I was running from the Lord, and I and I realized this, this this is the passage that brought me back to the Lord. It was like, ah, I I, I had I I was really trying to get away from the church, that's what I was getting away from. But I, but I was running from the Lord at the same time, because uh, they're kind of connected. And 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 I uh, and when and when this hit me, it's like this this stuff is real. You can't deny that. I, this is truth. I've I got to deal with this. I've got I've to deal with this in my life. So I gave my life to Jesus. It's been a pretty good ride since then. The, we're one world, and we're going to have one king. The revelation of Jesus Christ. One of the revelations, and there are many in this book, but one of them is in Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. It says, I saw heaven open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will tread the wine press of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We have come to associate anything undemocratic with despotism and tyranny. But there's really no connection. I mean, think about it. Hitler was elected. Moses wasn't. Where? Who? Which one was the tyrant? When has the majority ever been right anyway? <laughs> Except in the South, when it comes to SEC football. I shouldn't have said that. Half the church doesn't come from the south anymore, do they? <laughs> you know, that's what southern people would think. But when, what do they know? When was the majority ever right? <laughs> when he is revealed, the apocalypse, when he is revealed as king of kings and lord of lords, we read it in the first chapter, the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. He'll come to rule with a rod of iron. Things are going to radically change. And it's going to be much better, but but not everybody is, is going to like it. But not everybody knows what it is that they want, what it is that they need. Uh, one of Henry Ford's famous comments was, if I were to ask the consumer what he wanted, he would say a faster horse. He doesn't know what he wants. I've got to show him what he wants. And when we see... When we see, well, a couple of weeks ago, we were up in, we were up in Portland uh, for a week. Margaret and I were in Portland, Oregon, not Tennessee. And, uh, and we had parked the car, and we went in some little underground thing, shopping thing. And when I came up out of it, I, I couldn't find our car. I had no idea where we would parked. That, where, all the garages look alike in Portland. And... Uh, and so I ended up lost, walking around Portland, and I ended up coming into the encampment of Occupy Portland. You okay, right it, and it was it was crazy. I mean, it was like it was Woodstock without the music, and, uh, and it was it was something. I, was, I, I but I left. I, I you know I, I kind of I, I was. I'm not. That's all I'm going to say about that. And uh, so we. Uh, uh, and, and you know, whatever you think about about that particular movement, there is no doubt that the rich oppress the weak. there is no doubt that the strong exploit the, the rich oppress the poor, the strong exploit the weak. There's just no that's the way the world works. That's absolutely the way that it works. But that's going to change. Because when he comes, when he's revealed as king of kings and Lord, you know, oftentimes people are saying, man, why doesn't God just put a stop to this or put a stop to that? Do you know what that means? It means the first will be last and the last will be first. It means that everything will totally be flipped upside down from what it is right now. It's going to be weird when he comes back. And, and initially, we're, we're not going to like it. I shared this... Uh, I can't remember if it was a few weeks ago or a few years ago. That's, that happens at a certain age. But, uh, but I'm pretty sure that I shared this. And here, if it was a few weeks ago, y'all humor me. And if it was a few years ago, humor me. Uh, but I, I remember almost 20 years ago when I first came here, reading, reading a testimony of, of, of a guy who had gone over to Africa to teach. And he was teaching in one of the Bible schools there. And it, and it really hit me both for what? for what he said and also for I could empathize with the moment because it was I've been there uh, he was teaching out of uh, uh, Thessalonians I think it's 1 Thessalonians 4 yeah first Thessalonians 4 16 he, he was teaching out of there uh, and it said that the Lord will come back with a loud command with a shout and one of the students said what will he shout And the reason I can empathize with that is because that's the kind of questions you get when, in that kind of setting. What will he shout, teacher? And of course, the Bible doesn't really tell us what he will shout. But the guy had one of those moments where the Holy Spirit just went, dropped it right into his spirit. What will he shout, teacher? Enough. Enough is what he will shout. Enough pain, enough sickness, enough exploitation, enough crying, enough brokenness, enough poverty. Enough. It's time for this to end. That, that's what he will shout when he comes back. He will rule. Because it's his right to rule. Not because he's more powerful, though he is more powerful. But it's his right. And i got to hurry here. He created the earth and its people. He started this. This belongs to him. He, he, it, it is his right to have this. And not only that, he redeemed us. He didn't just create us. After we fell away from him, he redeemed us with his own blood. Over in Revelation chapter 5, and I'll, I'll close with this. <laughs> tells about a scroll that was sealed, and no one was found worthy to open the scroll, and John was actually literally weeping because no one was worthy. And a sealed scroll and, and would, would have been a legal document in those days, and oftentimes a, a, a deed of title. Revelation 5: five, 5 through6, then one of the elders said to me, "Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. (sighs) Yeah, bring it on, Lion of Judah. And then I looked and saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center before the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders you would have expected something more grand. But at the center of the heart of God, at the center of the heart of our king, the king of kings and lord of lords with a sharp double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, rule with a rod of iron, at the center of that is a lamb that was slain, poured out his own blood to redeem us. A true king is so integrally woven with his people and with his land, that you, you cannot separate the person of the king from his people and his land. This king died for us. Not weak. This lamb had seven horns. Seven is the number of perfection. Horns are a symbol of power, perfect in power. Seven eyes. Eyes are a symbol of wisdom, perfect in Wisdom. And yet, that's not why he's worthy. He's worthy because he died for us. And so they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Not because you're powerful. Not because you're beautiful. Not because you are wonderful. But because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God members of every tribe and language and nation, and people under heaven. He's worthy. Human history culminates in him. The, apop- the apocalypse of Jesus Christ shows us that. He's the great King of kings and Lord of lords. The apocalypse of Jesus Christ shows us that. But it also, the revelation of Jesus Christ shows us that he is worthy. Because he died for you, for me. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're probably feeling something a little funny inside right now. You may or may not like it. And you probably are thinking, if I can just get out of here. If I can just just get in front of the game, this will go away. And you're right. It will go away. But that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. You can be completely changed. Would you stand with me? For those who are going to pray with people, our elders and their wives and who's who are going to pray with people come forward if you don't know Christ as your Savior I invite you to come it's not an embarrassing thing in fact you may kind of go I'm not going to walk down there in front of everybody well there's going to be some other people walking down too they won't know what you're coming for God will know and you know if you need to give your life to Christ if you need to if you just need prayer if you need, we've already prayed for those who are broken and hurting, but maybe you didn't stand up for some reason. or Maybe there's just, you just need to come. We're going to sing for a few moments. We're going to wait for you. You come, you come. And if you don't need to come, worship. Because it creates an atmosphere in which the Holy Spirit can move. By His grace I am redeemed, by His blood I am made clean, and I now can know Him face to face. Come join her sister. She has a prayer need has to do with Africa today. Yeah, those of you who Zimbabwe, blood, you come pray with her. By his blood I yeah. am by his blood. By his blood By his, power. By his power I have May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent His Son into the world to redeem the world and who will send His Son back into the world to claim what is His and those who are His. May you have the joy of the redeemed in your heart. May you have the testimony of the redeemed on your lips. And may you have the grace of the redeemed in your life.